Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spy Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is in conversation with Ben Hernandez, partner at Skytel Group. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. This is the AmSpa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider, and back in the AmSpa Clubhouse via the AmSpa Hotline, the one and only Ben Hernandez from Skytail Group. We have, uh, it's been a while, Ben, since we've, we, we've had you on. I, I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me, Alex. It has been a while. I was excited when I received your note, so thank you for having me again. Yeah, Looking no, we got to... We got to do uh, we got to do more of these because I, I I want to say and for those of you who who are tuning in for the first time or the first couple times um, go back and check out some of our older podcasts uh, Ben and I did did one it probably was over a year ago now I think Ben at least probably you know maybe almost two years where uh, a year and a half where we talked we did a two part series about kind of the M and A. Um, frothiness in the market and everything that was happening and, and private equity coming in and all the, all things buying and selling uh, med spas. So that, um, and there's, there's two parts, I believe, and I don't want to get your head bigger than it already is, Ben, but I believe it is the most listened to podcast that we've ever had. So that is something. Um, and it shows you kind of the interest in that. So congrats on that. We'll send you like a ribbon or something in the mail. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, that that was a fun one. And it was funny. I still remember before you and I jumped on to do that one, I I certainly I was wondering, and I think I even asked you, I said, I wonder if it's just going to be you and me talking to each other, because we knew it was coming, but we didn't realize how frothy, as you said, uh, it would actually be. But yeah, you happened to time it perfectly. Well, I, and so that's a great, that, that's a great segue. So, um, Ben is with Skytail Group and Skytail Group does a whole bunch of stuff, but, um, and, and I'll let you give a, a, a 30 second summary of, of, of what you and your, your company do. But suffice to say, you help buyers and sellers, uh, when they want to, to sell their med spas or, or buy med spas. They do, they, they do quite a bit. So they really have their, their finger on the pulse of the mergers and acquisitions activity that's going on, which again is, 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 is quite frothy and as well as everything else, uh, else in the industry. So it's, it's great to have you back. Give everybody just a quick thumbnail sketch for folks who haven't heard, heard of you before or heard the ones before as, as to, as to what you do and what Skytail does. Certainly. Uh, what we do at Skytail is we hyper-focus in the aesthetic space and we do two things. One, we do management consulting. I'll be quick on that because not what this is about, but you know, our clients are typically, provider owners who want to grow scale their practices and we help from a financial and operational and strategic perspective Uh, but more so let's lean over to what this is about we also do investment banking so sell side m&a so these are owners who are interested in potentially selling their business and we help them from everything from early on valuing the business is what we think it would look like in market uh, how the deals are typically structured, how we might market them. So really trying to, before they even dip their toe in the water, um, try to educate them on going forward, what it may look like a few months from then. And if they do choose to sell, we help represent them and introduce their business to multiple buyers uh, with the goal being that they find the right partner on the valuation, but also deal structure perspective. Right, right. Um 
So, and, and, and just to kind of set some context, this is, we've been doing some of these MSS preview podcasts, Medical Spa Show, God, I think it's two weeks from today is the opening day formally, two days from yesterday is the pre-show, which is... Um, Really, when when um, the the genesis for this podcast came about, because Skytail is doing the second annual M and A summit on the Thursday before the medical spa show um, at the Win, and this was something that we kind of uh, almost last minute last year said. You know, I think it was close to we were within six months at least, with close to that, I think even three months. And you know, we decided because there was all this this activity in the market as far as people buying and selling med spas and so much interest in it from the financial side as well as from the the operator side that we would put together um, and and specifically you put together a a, an agenda for a day to help folks understand kind of the M&A process and it was a it was a it was a huge hit it was packed it was it was totally sold out we're coming back we're bringing the band back again again for the the second iteration of this talk about um, what the med spa summit the M&A summit is going to be at MSS and what you hope folks can learn and kind of what the whole what the whole idea is behind this certainly first of all i have to say yeah i think it was three to four months before and i i have so much respect for what you and your team team do just putting together that agenda i think (laughs) we went through 80 iterations so how you do it for for a show as big as yours is unbelievable, but uh, well, and let's be clear, know. I don't, I, I don't. That's my team. I, I am, I, I, if I did it, it would not work out quite as well as it does. So anyway, that aside, love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So our approach last year, and it's very similar this year, is our end approach is to think about who the audience member ideally is, and for us, that would be uh, a medical aesthetics uh, practice or organization business owner who is interested in learning, they don't have to be ready to do it today, but learning, whether it's tomorrow or five years from now, what an M&A process looks like, what a sell side process looks like. So what we did is we brought in everyone who may be involved in a deal from lawyers to CPA firms to, you know, last year it was interesting. It was, I think it was three investor groups of private equity funds and one actual platform that was already formed. Uh, And the goal was to really bring to life what a deal process looked like, what buyers looked for, what we looked for when we were, you know, presenting the asset to the market. Um, And this year, we added a little bit of a different twist, and it starts showing year over year, uh, the market getting a little bit more consolidated and sophisticated. So, This year, we have obviously the platform again, but we now have three additional platforms where in lieu of the private equity funds themselves, we now have three CEOs, for example, who are a platform backed by private equity. So in 12 short months, you're starting to see the whispers of the excitement that's happening to now. I imagine that everyone has been called by a buyer to ask whether they want to sell their practice. So I think the acceleration is really interesting and we want to bring that to life. So we wanted to present that. And then from there, same concept of educating the attendees from a legal perspective and, you know, an operational financial perspective and general deal process. And, you know, again, the goal is that if you're an attendee, you come out of there with a really good understanding of what a process looks like, maybe things to do and not to do. Uh, And if you're in the middle of building your business, hopefully some nuggets, because 
when when buyers talk about what they look for, really what they're letting you see and stating is this is what a beautiful business is to us. So there are things that you could probably implement in your business that even if you never sell it, uh, would make it more valuable for yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was super exciting to see uh, last year, and 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 you and your team did an incredible job of of putting it together. Um, what um, talk about some of the response? I mean, I know you guys had an an incredible response. You had um, lots of folks attend. You had lots of folks um, stay over and join your happy hour to the point where we had to drag them up because we had our members reception that you were bleeding over into. But what was the response? And and what did people say? And 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 what's the what's the vibe around it this year? Yes. Yeah. I remember. I think you guys made me ring a bell. So <laughs> I think we the, did. Uh, yeah. um, the, the response last year was great. You know, we asked for candid feedback uh, yeah. because it was the first time we did it with you. Um, so we, we, of course, always look for how to improve things. And the feedback from audience members was extremely positive. I think they got a lot of nuggets out of it. Uh, feedback from investors was extremely positive, actually. And just yesterday, one of them told me, um, that some of the people that they had been talking to said they were looking forward to coming. Uh, we did receive some positive feedback as far as how to order things and the like. Yeah. But overall, feedback was tremendous. But to us, the proof is in the pudding, which is we wanted to know uh, from a sign-up perspective uh, whether there would still be excitement. And I think you know from the numbers that that we heard about it might be 80% greater than last year yeah. um so that was really really exciting to see um uh, and so you know we're 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 hoping that we can deliver again and we have ideas if we're fortunate enough to do it next year of of what we would be doing next year as the market continues to get more sophisticated and consolidated and some of the questions that we're hearing uh from sellers and buyers yeah you know i've gotten several calls from uh, investors from whether it's uh, you know private equity funds or what or what have you, asking about this because they try to sign up and then it's you know right now it's sold out um, because the we we have limitations for space obviously but there's a there's been a lot more interest if, from the investor side I think this year um, not that there wasn't last year but what that means to me and for med spas that are that are coming to learn about the process is there there are going to be a lot of folks there who are active in the industry and a lot of opportunity to learn, not only from you guys up there on the podium, but from folks who are in the audience. Um, also you have a, you have a, a happy hour right afterwards where folks can mingle a little bit, um, which is great. And then that Saturday night, so that this is Thursday, we're doing a, um, an investment kind of, uh, party or, uh, not really a party. It's more like, a just, we're having some hors d'oeuvres and cocktails and bringing some investors and, and people who are interested in that. So another chance there. Um, I'm curious, um, what, you know, we've talked quite a bit over the, over the years about where the market is going, um, how it's getting there, the growth, all this the, the back and forth. Um, what are you, it's, and now, now we're in it, right? I feel like like we've been predicting it and talking about it, and now it's here, and it's 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 frothy, as I say. Um, what like what surprises you? And has anything surprised you about about what's developed over the last year and a half? And, and when you look at this industry and what's happening to it, um, is there anything any, anything that you're kind of changing your view on as far as where it's going to go, or or what advice you give to folks about about the M and A process? Yeah, I think the only surprising thing is we knew it was going to happen and come, 
but it didn't only happen in come it's happening in a big way and even more accelerated way than i think even we expected we knew it was going to happen we used to actually say things like you know we're on chapter two of 20 but we know how the book is going to end and so forth but this the last 12 months have just been tremendous uh I think on the investor side, from the number of investors that we now have on our investor list who want to look at assets, that has been much, much greater. I think on the seller side of things, the other piece that's interesting is that it's woken up the market a little bit and extremely quickly, meaning a lot of, from our consulting side, we get a lot of phone calls of, hey, I'm not quite ready yet. However, I do have something that I consider to be special. I have my own special sauce. How do I grow? How does, how do I scale? Because I hear that we get this tremendous valuation if we do anything of significance. So I think the, the only surprise that we've seen, we knew it was going to consolidate, but I don't know that we fully knew the rate and acceleration, not just, not just on the investor side, but also on the supply side. So the sellers who are now very aware of what's going on and interested in, okay, what are they looking for again? People, systems, technology, compliance, so on and so forth. And they're really building it that way. So I think it's also professionalizing this space in a big way too. Yeah. And, and you mentioned um, when you were talking about what the conference would be about and um, who would be providing information, you mentioned um, the word platform and you and you mentioned private equity backed platforms um if you could explain a little bit as to what you mean by that because i know folks understand you know private equity they come in and they invest and they buy um what's the difference between that like just a pure private equity play and a platform play backed by private equity what what do you mean there yes so when i mean a private equity black back platform for example let's say we had I don't know, AMSPA Medical Aesthetics or something. Yeah. And we formed it and we grew it to a certain level of multi-location group, uh, you know, nice EBITDA or cash flow, however you want to define it. Let's just say it was $5 million and up. Um, there might be a private equity fund out there who is looking at this time for their initial investment. And when they look for an initial investment, you can do it a few, a few ways. You can either invest yourself in a management team, all the you know back office stuff, support, and then go look for aesthetic practices. Or what you can do is try to find one that you can start off as the initial asset and therefore platform. So an investor might be interested in, in this academic example, the AMSPA Medical Aesthetics Organization, and they would buy your company and what they would then do is use that as the initial platform. They would rename it to whatever it may be. But that is now the platform to where every other future aesthetic practice is going to flow under. So once you have the platform created, what that really means in my mind is you have however many medical aesthetic practices. It can be five, it can be 20, it can be 30. But the, the other piece to it is you also have a CEO, a COO, uh, you know, business development head, you, you truly have a, that management company. So that platform that then supports all of the other practices, but it just happens to be backed by private equity. So a lot more typically money, 
uh, and professionalization that goes along with that as they tried to get to their initial investment thesis goal of whatever that may be. It could be to have 40 million of EBITDA within four to seven years, but they're doing it under that platform of the management company and all of those medical aesthetic practices. So does that mean, um, and that's a good, I think a great summary of it. Does that mean that the individual practices are becoming part of another brand or are they um, keeping their own brand? Because that's one thing that I, I've been a little surprised at um, with, with, because again, we knew M&A was coming. What's been a little surprising is, is there's been a lot of movement towards purchasing smaller, smaller single locations um, as opposed to, you know, trying to get 50 locations. And, and, and there's, there's obviously a lot of reasons for that. But if you're part of a platform, which is really, they've been the most active in the industry right now. And, I, and correct me if I'm wrong there, but, but um, are, are you like, what does that mean for your, your business and what you've built and the brand and all that kind of stuff? It depends. Uh, yeah. Being a lawyer, I thought you'd appreciate that. But <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, what, what I mean by that is this. The reason it depends is, and, and this is actually a great question, because if I can back up. So, for example, our buyer list is 130 plus. Uh, we right. looked at it earlier this week. That means there are 130 investors of various sizes and scale and, and you know money behind them looking to get into this space or already in the space. So with that being said, none of them are the same. Some mm -hmm. of them are similar, but they're all different. So you do have some platforms. Uh, one of them will actually be at our show that they are going to rebrand you. Their strategy. Right. So all of them have a different investment thesis. And you can have an investment thesis of, hey, my investment thesis is if I buy your practice or practices, I am going to rebrand and we're going to have one similar brand and there are many reasons why there are positives to that in their mind. And then there are other, and I think this is the, this is more the rule for the most part, what we've seen right now and what we've seen in other healthcare subsectors is if you have an acquisition strategy as a buyer, usually what they do is they leave your brand alone. Their thesis is look, you created something in your community that is valuable. This is why we're buying you. This is why we're interested in you. We are more here to provide the back end support of stuff you don't want to do anyway. We'll take over your accounting. We'll help out on, you know, some of the marketing, but not boots at the ground level, maybe the website, SEO, whatever it may be. So they're doing a lot of the, you know, administrative back end things that ideally then allow the practices and their owners. Uh, to, to continue to provide great patient care. So that's usually what we see, which is they tend to leave your brand alone, but you do have both. And this is where it's exciting because of all the investors you're going to have as a seller, plenty of options to choose from to find the right partner. But we're seeing both in the space. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, it's, um, it's interesting because I, I don't know which is the right answer. I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious in, in other areas of healthcare. I know you've dealt with dental and there's been, been, you know, there's been derm rollups in the past. Um, is, is this, is this similar to what's, what happens there as far as there are some that let you keep your own brands, some that don't? Is, 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 is this pretty typical in the life of a, of a, of an industry like this? It is pretty typical and, and it mirrors it almost exactly, which is if you had asked me even before this started, do you think 
you know, folks will be able to keep their name on the door or not. I would have said anything with an acquisition strategy, typically the answer is yes, leave the name on the door. However, you'll have a select few that are going to want to rebrand uh, as a differentiator, different investment thesis. So yes, it's it's exactly the same playbook that we see in other subsectors. Hey folks, it's Alex Tiersch and I've got a message from our good friends at Aesthetic Pro. What software is powering your practice? Aesthetic Pro's HIPAA compliance software offers all the tools you need for med spa management and business growth. With continuous development, it continues to define the future of medical spa software. 2023 brings a completely new look and flow for the software from top to bottom, along with a mobile app and more. Features are the key to efficiency, but don't forget about the importance of support. In an era of chatbots and self-service support, Aesthetics Pro believes in the power of people. Work with experts who know the software and rest assured you have the support system you need to grow your business. Aesthetics Pro is ready to power your practice. Call 877-260-2907 or visit them online at aestheticspro.com. And don't forget, AMSPA members receive exclusive pricing. You said there's three platforms um, kind of that are active right now. They're, they're going to be, um, that's not, there's more than three that are active, but there are three that are going to be at the um, M&A Summit that are going to be presenting and, and um, w- which I think is a great opportunity to, to meet some of these folks. For for are there are there straight and, and maybe I'm not even using the right vernacular here. Are there straight private equity plays available too, where you've got other big funds that are just looking to buy one brand and not do the platform approach? Uh, there are some that are doing a smaller roll up. Um, I would say most private equity funds are trying to get to different levels of EBITDA. Some are saying we want to get this to 40 million. Some it might be 10 million, to your point. I do think that it varies wildly because of the size of fund that they have dedicated uh, to this specific piece of their investment thesis or portfolio, I should say. So yes, we do have some that are interested in maybe only rolling up a few um, versus others that are wanting to get that you know, big initial asset. And then on that are going to add another 40, 50, 60 locations on top of it. Uh, there are varying degrees of it. Okay. And um, I want to get a sense because I know folks who are who are coming to the show and, and, and may want to come to the uh, summit and see kind of what types of people are going to be there. And I, I've, I want to get a little more insight into the buyers and the sellers. The And, and what I mean by that is um, I, I talk to a lot of investors just kind of on a very high level about the industry and, and, and what it is. And the ones I'm talking to are some of the kind of giant worldwide massive funds that have just gazillions of dollars. And they're more like circling though. They're kind of at the very, very top of the food chain. Not many of them are doing much yet. There are, there are, there are, there are some and but they clearly have their eye on the industry, and it's almost like they're waiting for some of these larger chains to start popping up, but they haven't really taken a, a bite yet. Um, but then there's this kind of other level where you've got you know these platform supported companies that 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 have you know are still large you know comparatively speaking, but um, who who are who are kind of active right now. Uh, wh- what's the difference between the two? And, and are you are you looking at some point for these larger uh, funds to start to start taking a bite out of the apple? Because I mean they are 
ginormous. We're talking about the biggest of the big, and they're definitely looking, but they're not as as directly active. Yes, another great question. So <laughs> the way that, that this roll-up is going to happen, I think, and it, again, it would mirror other spaces, is usually you have your funds that tend to focus, let's just pretend, in, in initial investment of two to $6 million businesses. And what their goal is, is maybe to get in that 20 to 50 million of EBITDA. That's their, that's their thesis. And if they can do that in three to five years, what they then do is they sell that to a larger fund. Mm -hmm. So if we had something for 40 million of EBITDA, a lot of our buyers would probably bow out because that's too top end for that. However, when they get to, you know, 30 to 50 million, whatever it may be of EBITDA, they then are going to sell it to the, some of the ones you mentioned that are circling. Now it's a beefy enough asset to where some of those funds start participating. And those might be more the middle market funds. Mm -hmm. And then what they might do is, again, academic example, maybe they'll get it up there to 120 million of EBITDA and they'll sell it to the really large funds as well. So these platforms that are being formed today You'll see them in their current state, however, backed by different private equity groups over time uh, until it gets to the really, really large ones. You know, I'm not I'm trying not to name specific funds by yeah. different level, but I'll do an obvious one. Everyone knows But you know, maybe one day after four or five different sales cycles, maybe KKR picks it up, a fund like that. Uh, but in order to get to that, you have to get, grow it. These smaller funds, the lower market funds are working to grow it, sell it to larger funds, sell it to a larger fund. Um, so that's typically the way that we see some of these larger ones that you mentioned are circling yeah. uh, as to how they'll get in this space. We've seen very few exceptions, but we have seen some exceptions where funds that typically like to get in a little bit larger are going downstream a bit. Some have even created different uh, funds within it to be able to participate uh, in our space uh, to get in a little bit earlier. Yeah. And, and so my view, I mean, I, I, that all makes sense from a, from a conceptual standpoint, my feeling on that though, is right now and, and the way the, the way the med spa industry has been, has been growing and shows signs that, as it, that it's going to continue to grow. There, there still are so many um, single, unit single owner players, right? This is a very, very mom and pop industry. Our, our, our study showed, I mean, still, you know, 90% are one or two locations and most of them are owned by one person or one small group of people. The, those types of assets, that these bigger ones are looking for aren't there. And one of the yet, and, and one of the sense, sense that I've gotten is, um, I think when, when those companies like the Black Rocks, the KKRs, whatever it was, when they when they started looking at this industry, I don't know that they expected that. I think they thought there would be bigger brands. And this, I'm just completely speculating here. Um, so, I mean, but what like what's the their kind of uh, how is their thesis going to operate if we're going to be the next five years or more with some of these smaller um, entities it's almost like they're kind of waiting on the side of the time they get in it's going to be a totally different industry and I, I'm just I'm not sure how that's going to work in five years and I'm, I can't predict the future but I don't know what are your thoughts yeah so you know we have had to your point uh, investors I think some of them have been a little bit surprised that there aren't that many five million and up uh, you yeah. know, owner-owned groups right now. 
Um, and, and a few things have happened. Some of them have actually come downstream a bit, meaning they have told us, okay, our initial hope was do not call us unless you have a seller that has 5 million in EBITDA. Uh, and they would check in every now and again, and we would say, no, but we have a two, we have a three, we have a 4 million. And eventually what some of them did is say, said, you know what, show us something that you think is led by a very strong owner mm. who we could then put capital behind and then really start growing it that way. Some have actually come downstream. Some have actually said, okay, we're going to wait until this happens. Um, and I don't know that either approach is right or wrong. Right. I, I do prefer the former because I do think that it, people coming downstream, it's going to get, comp- it already is competitive, but I think it's going to consolidate relatively quickly. Our space isn't that large, you know, right. depending on what you're looking at, 15 billion or so. Or so. Um, so it's not that large. So I do think it'll consolidate quickly. I think if you're one of the larger funds, though, you're okay, because that's your typical play anyway, right. is let the lower market funds, you know, get it to 40 million, let's say, of EBITDA. And that's when we want to participate. And when you have that, you then already have a platform. So getting the onesie twosies you mentioned is a natural progression of things, which is perfectly okay. A lot of this has to do with the initial investment mm-hmm. and how, mo- how much capital they want to immediately deploy to then start working on getting a return. Once that's there and you buy that 40 million EBITDA platform, then it's perfectly okay. And typically the model of buying that one to two, three million EBITDA at a time and grow it that way. That's almost like we're, we're in a little pond and there's piranhas that are in it. And then there's sharks up the <laughs> circling above. Not that, that that's, 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 meant, that's meant to be a positive comment. <laughs> um, but um, it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause it's just like, it's, and, and we've seen it even the last year it's accelerated. And I thought it had accelerated like crazy two years ago leading up to last year. And in the last year it's been, you know, 10, 20 times as fast. Um, what about the sellers? Like what, what, because again, there's not like, you know, you've got some of these, these, these large chains that, that are, um, that are out there, but, but very few, relatively speaking, what are the, the, the sellers that are right now getting acquired or, or have a lot of interest? What types of businesses do they have? And what's, what's, what's the characteristics of them personally? Cause there's going to be folks who come to the, to the summit who want to kind of know if this is, are, you know, are, are they kind of in the same bucket as some of these other folks? And, and, and I, I've seen that there's, you know, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard business. You're, you've, you've got to use your hands. It's exhausting. It's, it's, it's it, there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of marketing and a lot of, a lot of social media you have to do what like what's driving some of these sellers to sell and what are some characteristics of of their business yes so you know ideally the sellers that that want to sell and and the ones who typically approach us actually they've built their business to a level that it's cash flowing nicely it's successful uh they've been at it for a while um that's an ideal time to sell if if you've hit whatever it is you wanted to hit, uh, some people have it, hey, I've done this for 15 years and, and I think I'm ready for something else in a few years. Some people say I've hit my number. Whatever your why is, I think if you're a seller and you come to market, just know that 
the buyers are typically going to want to keep you three to five years after you sell, uh, mm. simply because a lot of the time, what you've built is highly to somewhat highly dependent on you. Right. So having that nice transitionary period reduces the risk of your business nosediving. But the ones that, that, that come to sell and what businesses look for, good people, good technology, ideally data-driven business. Ideally, you leave some meat on the bone, meaning uh, you've got some nice future trajectory on revenues and profitability of the business. And again, you're willing to stick around three to five years. Um, those are the sellers that have really nice success and valuations. Um, but right now, if you're a seller, I, I would say do it when it's right for you. I know we're talking about consolidating. I do think it's going to happen quickly. That being said, it's super rare that any of us are going to be involved in something that we were there at the beginning, if you will. Mm -hmm. And our sellers right now are at the beginning of consolidation. And that means we're seeing some really good value for their businesses. It's difficult to even find consolidation statistics. I saw something that said 3%. It's probably right. Um, so, you know, you still have a lot of time. So do it on your time frame, but go ahead and take away what buyers are looking for because there are things there that if you build your business that way, whether it's now or five years from now, are going to be very beneficial. So that's, you know, a little bit of what we've seen out of our sellers today. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great point because the, the M&A summit that you guys did last year and, and a lot of what you do, it, it, it's, it's not just for folks who are looking to sell tomorrow or this year even. It, it gives you a shot at, at, at learning what it takes and, and what you need to do to prepare your business. Um, talk really quickly, um, and you know, we 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 were trying to keep these these previews uh, shorter than, than than normal. So, but I'm I'm curious, what um, as much as you can say, when we talked, you know, a year ago, we were talking about um, valuations and 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 how businesses are being valued in 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 this market. Um, I mean. What can you share with us as far as what people are getting? And, and because I guarantee there are people who have either just opened a med spa that are listening to this or who are at, at MSS. There's a ton of new folks who are getting ready to open. What can they expect when you say, OK, you know, if this is a, a market that's going to be, be giving good valuations. If you're starting a business now in this industry, what can you expect? I mean, is what can you share? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we've looked for before we get into the value is our valuations going to hold simply because of our economic climate. Right. And and, and I would say to, to any sellers or people building their business right now um, to take solace in the fact that you happen to be in a recession resistant business, meaning if you look at things that investors are looking for, let's start there. Uh, you know, we're in a space that's private pay versus insurance and healthcare typically, which mm -hmm. adds a lot of regulatory and, and, and red tape, you know, still fragmented, highly profitable, recurring revenues because patients want to come back in to continue to see results. So there's a little bit of, you know, addictive quality to it. And then the price point, and this is one of the keys for the recession resistant piece, the price point is such that, um, it, it, that that it allows us to be recession resistant. Uh, and then the demographic shifts that are happening, where it used to be a 50-year-old female 
and now we're, you know, males are getting into it. It's preventative. So all these are what we call tailwinds. We haven't had too many glossary ones. So, you know, <laughs> these are all tailwinds for the, the, for our subsector as a whole, which then leads to really nice valuations. We are still seeing valuations hold. So, you know, I, I, I usually steer to, away from too many specifics on valuations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me just clarify a few things. This is assuming that you're running your business well, you're willing to stick around, there's a nice trajectory, no business is perfect, right. So, uh, but there's enough there, and then you've left some meat on the bone for the buyer. You know, some of the ranges that we're seeing, like if you're, if you're a million and a half of EBITDA, you know, call it middle of the fairway might be, you know, someone's paying six and a half times that. Um, so, you know, you're getting in the $10 million or so valuation. If you bump it up to two, two and a half of EBITDA or profitability, that's around eight times, maybe eight and a half times. And then if you get to three million and up of EBITDA, you're bumping up into the double digits. You know, oh, really? three million might be a nine to 10. 4 million might be 10 to 11 and anything too much above that you start hitting ceilings because you know these things will probably trade for whenever the let's just say that you know the 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 platform backed by private equity gets to that 40 million ebitda we keep using that might trade and this is this is educated guesswork because we haven't been through this yet this will be the first round coming up but that one might trade to that larger fund somewhere in that 14 to 18 times multiple. So you can see where a ceiling is. Mm -hmm. You can't go too much. You can't get too close to that lower range uh, because then as a buyer, you're self-deluding, right? So, so, so just take that maybe as the ceiling, if you will. That's, that's, I'm telling you, that's, that's not bad money for, you know, an RN or an NP who's making their own business or a PA, right? And, and there's not, I've said this from the beginning, there's not many um, places in healthcare where you can, where a single provider can do, can build something like that and really, um, have their, (laughs) be able to have that kind of an exit. So that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see folks being able to capitalize on that. It's gotta be cool to see when, when, when their dreams are realized too. That's, that's my favorite part. And I saw your face just now, Alex, you're smiling. (laughs) And, And that's my favorite part of this whole process is, you know, when we do a good job and our clients text us uh, or email us and, and some of the comments and emotions that come out of that, uh, that's that's the time where, you know, sharing it internally with our team is is so exciting because, you know, you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. The blood, sweat and tears that go into it uh, to have it realized for them in a, in a very big way. Uh, is, is unbelievable. So yeah, yeah, that, that's an unbelievable part of it. That's a, that's a great, that's a great place, uh, to, to end this, but just real quick. Um, one thing I forgot to ask, do, does the, are you still seeing multiple locations impact the, the, the multiple they're getting on in the value they're getting? Meaning if you have five locations versus one that, that, that helps get a higher valuation. It does, assuming that the EBITDA is there too. Like if you have yeah. five locations and they're not profitable, that's right. no good. But if you have five locations and they're profitable, 
that's beautiful because you probably have a mix of some that are quasi mature, some that are ramping up, some new ones that have a lot of future value as well. So yes, we're seeing we're seeing higher value because if you do that, the buyers can stretch a little bit more knowing that there's a lot of future upside uh, to that yeah. asset. So yes, we are still seeing nice value in the multi-sites. All right. That's awesome. So it's February 2nd uh, at the Wynn, beautiful Wynn Hotel and Casino, um, the, the brand new conference center that those of you who were there last year are, will be familiar with. Um, the MA Summit is on, on Thursday. It's an all-day affair. What time does it start, Ben? I can't even remember. It's like 8 or 8.30, something like that? I think it starts breakfast at 8 and yeah. then the show at 8.30. Yeah. Right um, early. And, and then, you know, uh, you, you and your team are going to be there the whole weekend. So if you want, you have questions for Ben, please, please find him there. We've got more information uh, on our website, medicalspashow.com. Uh, ben, last words uh, before the M&A Summit Medical Spa Show. Uh, what do you want folks to know before we sign off? Oh, you know, I, I'll be trying to learn a lot at this show from everyone. I hope uh, your listeners do too. And uh, yeah, we'll be around all weekend if, if we can ever be helpful with anything. But uh, just, you know, thanks for putting on the show for everyone. And, you know, very much looking forward to seeing you and uh, all the attendees. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this, you know, what this brings in the next couple of years. It, it's this, who knows what this is going to look like. It's it's just, and, and, and I think to, to just kind of in closing, to, to, to get folks excited, it's, it's rare. Um, and I don't know that, people really know just how rare it is. It's rare to be part of an industry that is at this level, right? Where it's just growing and there's this much activity. So if you're in the industry right now and you're running a med spot, like you are so well positioned to be able to take advantage. And it doesn't have to be this year. Don't worry if you're going to miss the boat because there's, there's so there's, there's time, but it's just, it's really, really rare for that to happen. So we're very, very lucky to be part of this. And I think it's just so exciting. Yeah, it's it's surreal. They're all the trailblazers right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ben, I'll see you uh, two weeks, two weeks from today. Uh, actually, two weeks from yesterday. I'll see you. Um, and I appreciate you joining, and, and we'll see you soon. Can't wait. Thanks for having me, Alex. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Ben Hernandez, partner at Skytel Group. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button, then receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.